What's up, everybody? Episode 10 of J5 Getting Live, Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. How's everybody doing today? We got a uh, action-packed episode, I would say. There's been a lot going on over the last few weeks. The baseball lockout ended, so we've had little free agency, some trades, um, NFL free agency is underway, which is an exciting time, league year underway. Um, and then it's time for everybody's favorite time of year, March Madness. So let's let's dive right in. We're going to start with MLB free agency and, and trades. So we came, the owners and the players came to a deal uh, late last week. And uh, that was Thursday. They came to a deal. Friday, uh, things kind of got kicked off as far as free agency and stuff like that. We're hearing about different rumors, different things in the in the hopper, if you will. Um, the Mets were were kind of done with their with their team building, if you will. They had done everything they needed to do. They um, Prior to the lockout, they had Scherzer, Starlin Marte. Um, they were going to, you know, make a move or two. They had they end up adding Adam Adovino. People seem to think that they're going to trade McNeil for an arm or whatever it might be. Um, the Yankees, however, needed some roster building. They needed pitching. They needed to upgrade the catching shortstop, and personally, I thought they needed to upgrade center field. Um, needed to figure out what they were going to do at first base and needed, a, I guess they needed a third baseman according to them. So we got a move from them uh, Sunday night. The Yankees make the trade for Josh Donaldson and... I'm just going to call him IKF because I can't pronounce his name. The shortstop from the Twins, who was on the Rangers. Um, trading Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. I was sad to see Gio go. I thought that he was a, a solid player, a guy that, you know, did all the right things. But I guess the Yankees wanted to tweak that. Um, then last night, the Yankees signed Anthony Rizzo to a two-year deal, $32 million. Opt out after one year. Now, Yankee fans, true Yankee fans, are disappointed because this team is not a better version of themselves, in my opinion. And more importantly, regardless of what the trust fund baby owner says, how? No matter what he says. They are not a world championship caliber team. For him to say today that this is a world championship caliber team, he is fooling himself. Josh Donaldson just is another one of the Yankee problems. Right-handed, home run hitting, strikeout giving problem. Now, the Yankees... Rivals in the division, the Toronto Blue Jays, traded for Matt Chapman today. Gold glove, 
29-year-old third baseman. They gave up some prospects. The Yankees didn't want to give up prospects. That's why they didn't go after Matt Olson either. Who the Braves, great move, move off of Freddie Freeman, great player, and move on to Matt Olson, signing him to a eight-year, $168 million deal. After they make the trade now, the Braves gave up some talent, but if you look at the makeup of the Braves team, they have all their young core signed outside of Austin Riley. They just won a World Series. They let go of, of their most beloved guy by far, but it sounds like every day that Mr. Freeman is going to go to the Dodgers. And they make the big trade. They give up four of their top 25 prospects for Matt Olson. What this continues to tell me is that the Yankees will take on bad contracts. They will take on salary. They will take on older players. As long as it doesn't cost two things. Prospects. And talent that they currently have on their roster. The Yankees gave up on guys that they were looking to give up on. With Gio and Gary. They're going to make a trade in the coming days probably. With Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres. Guys that they're looking to move. But what they're going to continue to do. That's infuriating for Yankee fans. Is they are going to continue to prospect hug. Anthony Volpe could be one of the best shortstops that we ever see. But he could also be a dud. You never know with these guys. We 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 witnessed it. We saw Gary Sanchez take the league by storm in 2016. So much so that he was in the rookie of the year running only playing the second half of the season. And then his career in New York fell flat on its face. Glaber Torres, same thing. The guy had so much potential. We heard for years about how great he was. We heard in the Aroldis Chapman trade, the Yankees won the trade because they got Glaber. That's what we heard. He's the number one shortstop prospect in baseball. And the Yankees just didn't do anything with the guy. He didn't pan out. And now, here we are. They're looking to move on from them. They didn't get rid of Clint Frazier when his, when his interest was at an all-time high. Or Miguel Andujar. The only guy from the Baby Bombers that, that people crowned them with as a nickname in 2017 that panned out was Aaron Judge. As he sits around twiddling his thumbs, waiting to be named captain and hopefully get a contract extension because that's what he deserves. That's how good he is. But he's the last man standing. So the Yankees have added to their lineup. They've told you that they've become a stronger defensive team. However, their outfield is still very questionable, both with health, because as much as I like Mr. Judge, he has a tendency to miss games. Aaron Hicks can't stay healthy ever. Joey Gallo and Mr. Stanton are going to be in left field, I anticipate. And both of those guys get hurt a lot. 
So they don't really have a healthy option in the outfield. And defensively, it's not overly strong. And they have no pitching beyond Garrett Cole. And we don't know what he is without the sticky stuff. Because after that was discovered in the second half of last year, he wasn't very good. Let's just look at the wild card game in Boston. So, I voiced my frustrations with the Yankees a couple of weeks ago. And here I am again voicing them again. Because I can tell you this. As constructed today, even with these trades, the Yankees are the fourth place team in the division. Maybe, maybe they're a third place team. But by no means are the Yankees a championship caliber team, regardless of what the owner says. And if you're a real Yankee fan and you're going to spend your money and support this, I have to question what you believe because Hal has a bridge to sell you. He's complaining about the cost of the stadium that he has to pay bonds and banks. He has to explain his, his spending to his partners I mean, at this point, just sell the team, dude. Like, if you don't want to do it the right way, then don't do it. Because he talks about how all the big market teams got hit in the pandemic. Well, guess what? The Dodgers have spent. The Padres, who are not a big market team, have spent. The Angels... <coughs> excuse me. The Angels have spent... The Red Sox have spent, and the Toronto Blue Jays have even spent. They've spent talent, and then they spent money. Last year at the deadline, they went after Jose Barrios, and then they signed him to a seven-year contract extension after they got him. I expect the same thing with Matt Chapman. The Braves, smaller market team, they've spent. They trade for Olsen, they sign him. They locked up Acuna. They locked up Ozzy Alves. They're going to lock up Austin Riley at some point. So the Yankees' way of doing business hasn't played out. They let these guys linger, Judge being the prime example at this point. They think they found something with a guy like Luke Voigt, and then it didn't work out. And they just keep beating it into the ground until it's so blatantly obvious to everyone that they say, okay, we have to move off this move. Well, this year is going to be a brutal year because they have no pitching. And... If this team finds a way to win 85 games, I'm going to be shocked. They're not good. They're not. They don't have anybody to do the little things. They're going to be home run or nothing again. They just... It's just mind-blowing to me that they think they can build a team this way. So, those are my thoughts on the Yankees. Now, let's take a shift here. Let's look at NFL free agency. So, the Giants have, have been quiet. They made a couple nice moves. Uh, mainly, Robert Glowinski. That was a good move for them. Um, getting a good guard to help with the, the interior of the run game. Um... He's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker, but he's a solid player, and it didn't cost them a lot of money. They got a backup quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Um, they made a couple other moves here or there. Um, but overall, I, you know, 
from from what I from what I saw that they could do, I I was happy. Um, <coughs> now let's go right next door to the team that had the money. The Jets had a home run in free agency. You start with Lankin Tomlinson, the guard from San Francisco. CJ Azuma, great signing for them. They keep Braxton Berrios, which was huge. Jordan Reed was a nice little signing for them. But the one that stuck out to me that I know is going to make Jets fans happy, Jordan Whitehead from the Tampa Bay Bucks. Whitehead is strong against the run. <clears throat> and he's going to give that Jets defense an element of toughness that they were they didn't really have last year. And they're going to get back Carl Lawson on defense this year, which is going to be a huge help for them. But they also helped out their young quarterback with the Azuma signing. And I think that Azuma is going to give that Jets offense a, a different attack. He's going to open up the middle of the field. Um you know, on the seam route and things like that. And he's going to create a lot of underneath opportunities for Braxton Berrios and Elijah Moore. And if Zach Wilson can take that next step, the Jets are going to be in a good position. Um, so we will see how that all, you know, plays out. And then we shift to the draft. And with the Jets making some of these moves... It makes you start to wonder what they do at four <coughs> and then at ten. Because now you can put the Kyle Hamilton talk to bed. They got Lankin Tomlinson, so I have to wonder if they're going to invest a first-round pick at tackle. But that's a possibility. So I wonder, is there a chance the Jets and Joe Douglas, who does like to maneuver the board, Moves back at a four if he has a buyer. Now, as far as around the league goes, nobody did more crazy things than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Most of the things they did don't make any sense, including giving Evan Ingram $9 million. I think that the AFC West, by far, is going to be the most interesting division in football. They, all those teams made crazy moves. The Broncos getting Russ and Randy Gregory. Thankful that they took him out of the NFC East. The Chargers getting Khalil Mack and CJ Jackson. Two huge moves for them. The Raiders getting Chandler Jones. <clears throat> and then making the trade of getting rid of Yannick Ngakwe. For the corner from the Indianapolis Colts. So. You've had some interesting moves around the league. The most interesting thing that's going on in the league right now. Besides Tom Brady coming back. Which is. Uh, exciting. I guess. Uh, the most interesting thing going on around the league right now. Is the Devontae Adams. Green Bay Packers. Uh, back and forth. They don't seem to be getting along right now. The rumor is that he turned down $23 million a year. Which. 
for a wide receiver is going to be a lot, but I guess he could thank Christian Kirk because the Kirk deal was insane. Um, I think that we're going to see more moves coming. The Giants are going to get rid of James Bradbury at some point here. Um, and we're going to see what happens with just the league as a whole moving forward as we get ready for the draft. I think it's going to be an interesting time. You Once the Texans trade Deshaun Watson, you should have multiple teams have multiple picks in the first round. Right now you have the Giants, the Jets, and the Eagles all have two or more first-round picks. And then the Texans should get a deal done with Watson here in the next couple days. So we'll see where he lands. And, you know, the NFL is the NFL. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman going to ESPN. So there's always something with that league. Um, those are my points on, you know, the Yankees, the free agency in the NFL, and the MLB. And we'll just keep it going here as we do every Wednesday. So next we're going to do my picks for the round one games and also some teams that I like to win the tourney. All right. J5 out. All right, guys. J5 back. So we're going to go over the the tournament here. The gift that keeps on giving. March Madness. I'm so excited for these games. I think that you have a few teams that, that can win the whole thing. And, you know, that we're going to do that first. I'm going to give you my teams that can win the whole thing. And then we'll dive into my picks for, for the games. I think that when you look at the tournament, there's a couple things to look at. And I'm going to give you four teams that I think can win the whole thing. Couple long shots, and then and then two of them the more favorites. But I think you got to look at the whole thing. You got to look at one historically what teams play well in the tournament. Coaching matters, and in the torn in the tournament more than anything, as the saying goes, styles make fights. So you have to have a certain style to win the tournament. You have to play enough defense, but score enough offense. And if you're a uh, a paper tiger, as Ken Barkley likes to say, if you don't listen to his You Better You Bet podcast, it's a good one. Him and Nick Costos on the fan, on the Odyssey app, I guess you should say. I should say. Um, but Ken likes to say, you know, if you're a paper tiger, it's going to show. So, you you have to be able to play enough defense to win a game. Because you're going to play, especially if you're a higher seed, you're going to play a lower seed that's going to come in. They're going to be a 3 and D kind of team. So, styles make fights in these games, as we've seen. Loyola Chicago, the most recent one, where their style just fits the tournament. They play defense, they score enough points that they make, that they make games ugly. So, the tournament teams that I think can win. Now, obviously, it's the tournament. Anything can happen. So, do with these what you will. But these are the, these are four of the teams that, when I 
when I looked for this segment that I said, oh, I like I like these teams. I like the way they've been playing. They could definitely put up a fight. They, they can win. So we're going to go longest odds to, to the favorites. So Iowa at 25 to 1 is a team I like. They have Jordan Bohannon, who has been in college like 500 years. And their style just makes for a good, tough game. They play a lot of defense, a, a good amount of defense. They're, they're average-wise, they're one of the better defensive teams in the country. They make a lot of threes. They're a good rebounding team. They're going to give people a hard time. So even though they're a five seed, I like them definitely to make a run. And I think there's a chance that they can win the whole thing. Next, I like Tennessee in the South region as the three seed at 21 to 1. They have been playing out of their minds. For them to be a three isn't even right. They dominated Kentucky. They dominated Texas A&M in the, in the, in the SEC tournaments, those two games back-to-back. -back. And they've been playing really well. They finished the year 26 and 7. They've played well. They're very athletic. Very smart team. And they're going to give you a hard time. And I think that the South region is prime for them to make a run. Now. I also like... Next, I should say. I like Baylor. In the East region. And I know you're going to say, wow... J5. They're the one seed. Not a big surprise pick. They're 26 and 6. Yeah, but they've been playing well. They they made a nice run in the Big 12 tournament. Um, they play a lot of defense, which I like. They haven't really been able to close the deal the last couple of years. The bridesmaid, never the bride, if you will. But at 13 to 1, they're worth a shot. And then finally. I like the Rock Chalk Kansas Jayhawks at 7-1. That's my that's my favorite pick. That's the pick I've made in all my in all my brackets, truth be told. And I just think that Bill Self and the Jayhawks have it going. Seems like it's it's their year to make the run. Um you know, they're gonna they're gonna be in the Midwest region. Outside of, you know, I don't really even I don't really even see them having too tough of a road to get to get to the final four to get to the championship. I I think it's doable for them. So I like Kansas. Now, as far as the games go, everybody's going to be sitting here rooting for their bracket, their bets, but also for upsets. And, you know, 12 o'clock on Thursday, 12.15 is when it all gets going. Michigan and Colorado State. Um, so I'm going to give you five games on Thursday and then five on Friday that I like. Uh, and we'll see how they do. Just mostly fun. It, it for fun. We'll see. You know, the tournament, it, it's a fun thing. You never know. You could get, you know... We, we hadn't seen a 16 beat a 1, and then a couple years ago we had it happen. So you never know what can happen. That's the great thing about the tournament. So 
my first pick uh, in looking at things. I like Providence over South Dakota State. They Providence plays a lot of offense, and when things are going their way, they can really get it going. And it seems like South Dakota State is a popular upset pick that, you know, 413, 512, 611, that's like the most popular upset. So people like to pick those. And it seems like South Dakota State's getting a lot of love. Providence is only given two in the game. Um, having watched them a lot in the Big East this year, I, I think that they can they can make it happen. Um, Cooley knows what he's doing. He's been in the tournament a lot. So I tend to like them. Now, next game, the 310 window. Iowa versus Richmond. Now, Iowa, I just gave you as one of my long shot picks to win the tournament. And I think they win the game. But Richmond has been hotter than hot. And at minus 10, at getting 10 and a half, that, that's a lot. Especially in a tournament game. It's a lot. And I just think that they have the ability to get it done. So, go Spiders, plus the 10.5. Next, we end the afternoon session, 4.30, in the East Region, North Carolina and Marquette. As a Duke fan, it pains me to say this. I like the Tar Heels, minus the 4. Hubert Davis, his first, first tournament as the Carolina coach. They've seemed to put it together the last couple weeks. They beat Coach K in his in his swan song at Duke. And it just seems like they're starting to gel a little bit. So, I like UNC minus the four against Marquette. Big East team that had, you know, a 19-12 and 12 year. They didn't do too many great things. They didn't do too many bad things. But we'll see how it shakes out. Next, in the evening, 7-20. I like Indiana. Plus three against St. Mary's as a 12. Like I said before, the 12-5 upset is, you know, one of the more popular upsets. And I just, I don't know. I look at this and I see a Big Ten team against a, a West, Co West Coast Conference team. And St. Mary's is always pretty good. They, they always put a good team together. But it just feels like Mike Woodson has Indiana playing really well right now. And they're making those strides. So, and having watched the Big Ten tournament, it seemed like they really put it together. So I like them. Next, and closing out, our Thursday picks. We got Murray State, minus the two. 32-2. and two. Murray, 30 and 2, I should say. Murray State against San Francisco. And I know what you're saying. J5. Murray State? Oh, Murray State's going to make a run. They're going to beat San Francisco. I have them go into the Sweet 16, full transparency in the bracket. So that's going to close out our Thursday picks. So again, Thursday picks Providence minus 2. Richmond plus 10.5, UNC minus 4, Indiana plus 3, and Murray State minus 1. And now we go to Friday, where everybody should be 
relaxing, easing into the weekend after St. Patty's Day, watching some college hoops. And we're going to come out of, the, out of the gates blazing on this one. 12-15. After a great day of games on Thursday, we're going to go right to the well in the first one. Loyola, Chicago. How can you go against Sister Jean and Loyola of Chicago? They're going to beat Ohio State. They're even Loyola, Chicago in the first game of the day on Friday. Next, it's probably just out of out of habit because I remember my first my first bracket in like 2006. Somebody told me that you you always have to. You always got to look at it and you got you to take an Ivy League team in the first round because, like, typically they're a good tournament team. They're a 3 and D kind of team. So, while Purdue is probably going to be a popular pick to make the Final Four with Jaden Ivey, the, the, the lottery pick on deck, playing probably his final season at Purdue. And they're a good team, and I think they're going to win the game. But I like Yale. Plus the 16. Next. We go to the last afternoon game of the day. The Hokies against the Longhorns. Now, Chris Beard, great coach. Did a lot of great things at Texas Tech. Hasn't gotten into click at Texas yet. Doesn't probably have his right guys. And... I don't know, just just looking at the whole thing from a bird's eye view, just seems like the Hokies are clicking right now. So, I'm going to take Virginia Tech plus the one. Next, we go to the night session. Yeah, we go to the night session. We got... Chattanooga and Illinois, 6.50, the first game of the night session. Chattanooga plus the eight seems to be a popular pick, but people are even picking Chattanooga as an upset special. But I like them. So I think they, I don't know if they win the game. I don't think they win the game, but I like them plus the eight. And then finally... To close it out, the third to last game of the day. Davidson, plus the one against Sparty and Tom Izzo. So we got, to recap on Friday, Loyola Chicago, even. Yale, plus 16. Virginia Tech, plus one. Chattanooga, plus the eight. And Davidson, plus one. All right, everybody. Have a happy March Madness. I'll see you next Wednesday. J5, 